0: Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and let me tell you, I only wish that I had done this interview about 20 years ago when I really needed some of these tips to max out my military PT test without so much grunting and groaning. But as you're about to discover, staying in shape isn't just about passing your next fitness exam for your military, police, or firefighter evaluation. It's about something even more important that touches everyday civilians. And former Navy SEAL and instructor Stu Smith has a dose of reality for you, as well as some mean tips, tricks, and tactics for getting in amazing shape fast. Check this out.
1: Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is modern combat and survival. If you've ever seen the movie Zombieland,
0: you may remember rule number one of living in a wasteland of the living dead: the fatties will die first. Now, I don't mean that to sound cruel, but when you think about it, no matter what survival skill you look at, your level of physical fitness can play a major role in whether you live or die. I mean, think about it. You may need to travel long distances on foot to forage for supplies or travel to safety if your primary transportation goes belly up. You may have to outrun, evade, or even fight those around you who want the supplies and resources you have. And even just handling the daily stress and physical requirements of self-reliance will take its toll on your body. That means that if you're serious about outlasting those around you, then you need to be up for the physical challenges a crisis could throw at you. Now, you don't have to be a Navy SEAL to survive, but wouldn't it help if you could learn from one about how to get in far better shape than you are now and do it quickly? Well, that's what we're here to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with me today to show you the fastest, easiest way to get in fit-to-survive shape is my friend and former Navy SEAL, Stu Smith. Stu, welcome to the program, man.
2: Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. That that was a great intro, by the way. Never <laughs> been intro with zombies. Never been. No, well, <laughs>
0: stick around. We've got we've got lots of zombies to deal with here. <laughs> Listen, everybody. Uh, Stu is a former Navy SEAL lieutenant who spent eight years in SEAL teams and as an instructor at the Naval Academy. Now, over his career, he's trained hundreds, if not thousands, by now, of recruits for the Navy's hardest challenge, SEAL BUDS training, and he's never had any of his clients quit or fail due to their physical fitness. Knowing that surviving BUDS training is only part of the picture, Stu also focuses on developing the mindset and functional fitness of everyone from police, firefighters, and other first responders to other special ops groups and even everyday citizens looking to get in the best shape of their life while hardening their mind to deal with the crises that they may face in whatever role they fulfill. His expertise and training have been featured in numerous magazines such as Men's Health, Sports Illustrated, and Men's Fitness, websites such as Military.com. And he's even been featured on National Geographic's Fight Science. Now, you can check out all of Stu's books and training programs on his website at www.stuvesmithfitness.com. Now, Stu, obviously, from your background, it's natural for you to gravitate toward military-style training as your main focus for, for really getting people in shape, especially those who are seeking a role in, like, special ops groups or police or other, you know, highly physical career choices. But you also use a lot of creative versions of these type of programs for everyday citizens as functional fitness platforms with things like push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups and and running and even the dreaded road marches with a backpack on. So why do you feel that these type of exercises are so powerful for even like the average Joe and Jane out there, especially in relation to what our listeners are really into when it comes to self-protection, such as firearms training or self-defense or even survival scenarios?
2: Well, it's a great question. I I will tell you this. I have been working out and writing about it now for almost twenty years and uh I answer all my emails. So the majority of my emails that I get come from people who are just trying to get in shape. You know, drop twenty or thirty pounds, maybe even more, um, to with a variety of of plans in the future, whether that's military, law enforcement, or firefighter. But, you know, like I said, most of them are just trying to lose that weight, and they don't want to join a gym. So, um, you know, a great alternative is to do, you know, just basic walking and calisthenics. And it's very effective if you do it right and you do it consistently. And then that's the key, consistency.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, calisthenics seems like such an archaic name now, right? You know, because it really, it's kind of, I get these visions of like the old, the guys in the, like the, from the 1950s and they're, you know, doing their jumping jacks and things like that. But those are the things that we did in the military. We did, we did side straddle hop, AKA jumping jacks, and we did push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups and things like that. And, you know, the way I always kind of related to people is that the military does those things, one, because you're right. Like you can't have a gym there for every single, you know, PT session in the morning, right? Like you can't right. have a thousand, you know, troops go through the bench press all in, in the, the hour that you've got before chow. Exactly. But, but mostly um, just that the military really realizes that um, a mm-hmm. fat soldier or an overweight soldier or an out of shape soldier is a dead soldier when it comes yeah. to being on the battlefield. I mean, we think about all the things that we've had to do mission wise even, you know, just carrying large amounts of weight, um, even just getting up from behind a car while there's bullets flying around and quickly getting behind that tree before one of those bullets finds you. It's If you're overweight or you're, you're not, your physical fitness isn't up or your cardio fitness isn't up, then even that split second longer that it takes for you to get there, that could mean the difference between life or death.
2: Absolutely. And, in fact, I tell people all the time, in fact, it's part of my mission. Is that I want people to realize how important fitness is. And it, it can be one day be a determining factor between you living or dying, between you being able to save a family member or a teammate or, you know, and it doesn't have to be a combat situation. This could be a natural disaster, a flood, a, a fire, uh, you know, where you have to react and your grip, your strength, your endurance is what will save you.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Even something like you said like a house fire, you know, if you have to carry your spouse out because they're they're you know, from smoke inhalation they're passed out or take both yeah. of your kids or all three of your kids and your damn dog at the same time, it's all going to matter. I mean, you're going to have the adrenaline there, but you also need to have the physical fitness as well. Good points. So, here's what I want to do then. I mean, uh, you've I you know, God, you've been doing this for so long now and you've really worked specifically on these areas that I wish I'd talked to you back in my back in my military days because I could have used like a, a, some really good tricks to be able to get a higher score on my PT test and things like that. But I want to take those those basic exercises that we think of as like military type exercises as functional fitness exercises and ask you to kind of draw a draw a line for that exercise to maybe some of the activities that that would help someone whether it's in a not necessarily a combat role, but like you said, just from a functional tactical role, I like to call it, like what that, why would somebody use that exercise if they're thinking in terms of what they might need to be able to do functionally um, in that role? And then ask you for your best secrets for like, what's the best way to really like be better at that exercise? And I think this will help, you know, we have a lot of military that are on our list. We have a lot of law enforcement that are, that subscribe to this and listen in on this. And so, I know, like, if any time we can help any of these people just be in better physical condition, it's gonna, it could literally, you know, save somebody's life. So, so let's start with I think the the most obvious and the most well-known exercise, which is the push-up, and it, it probably is the most the most well-known military exercise that's out there. So, what type of functional or tactical activities do push-ups help someone out with? And then, what training tips have you found work well for someone who really wants to increase their push-up performance?
2: I think one of the main reasons why push-ups are done in the first place is that it is a great upper body, but also it engages the core as well. You know, every time you do a push-up, you know, you have to engage your lower back and abs and hips uh, in order to stay straight. Um, and if you think about what the push-up actually does, it's actually in, it's probably about 40% of your body weight is all you're pushing. Um, so the lighter you are, you're probably going to have an easier time doing push-ups if you practice push-ups, um, and practicing push-ups is the key. Now, you don't have to practice these every day. You know, I hear so many stories about, you know, these great athletes in the past that did 500 push-ups a day and that's how they trained and that's you know, not really logical for a lot of people. Um, you know, if you can treat it, you know, just like you would treat weightlifting, you know. And let's compare the push-up to the bench press. You, know, you don't want to bench press every single day, right? You maybe do it every other day, you know, if you want to do it that much. <clears throat> and, uh you know, the way we progress with push-ups is you might be not be able to do any push-ups, so you might want to start on your knees or actually lean up against, you know, something sturdy, you know, so your angle's a little higher uh, and just perform that and that's going to be a different percentage of your body weight be a little bit easier but then as they get easier then you progress into a regular push-up with your toes on the ground Uh, hand placement is a very important um, um, thing to consider as well because i see a lot of people bring their hands in too close and they're only working their triceps see people go out way too wide and they're you know taxing their shoulders a little bit and a little bit of chest Um, but if you can find that perfect spot and it takes a little planning a little bit of training um what i typically do is go just outside of my shoulders and i put my hand my left hand at like 11 o'clock and i put my right hand at one o'clock instead of both at noon at 12 Mm -hmm. and what that does it gives my elbows just the perfect angle you know and if you were to draw them as my torso and my elbows in you know, draw a line down the middle of them, it would appear like it's making an arrow, right? Instead of being straight out like a T, right? Your, your elbows and shoulders are in the same plane, mm-hmm. you know, you tend to want that 45-degree angle. And I found that to be a very great way to incorporate, instead of just incorporating your chest and your shoulders, you know, it also gets your triceps. Uh, and they work together in unison. So now, instead of just really focusing on one of the muscle groups with a close hand grip or a wide hand grip, you can actually use those three muscles to produce more push-ups. Mm. Yeah. The other thing I'd probably
0: want to you know think about with that is is um you know you often see this where people don't use a full range of motion, right? You know, it's like mm. they're, they're so focused in on the number of push-ups that it doesn't, you know, you're kind of missing the whole range of motion, which works different muscles all the way through that range of motion. You know, in the military, there's somebody, you know, there's a there's a sergeant there staring at you, counting them off. And if you don't go all the way down, or you don't go all the way up, you just you just wasted that whole push up because it doesn't count toward your number, right? Absolutely. But I think from a functional standpoint, you know, if you're if you're kind of cheating yourself because you're trying to get to, you know be able to do fifty push-ups in one sitting and you're only doing half range of motion, well great, you hit your fifty. But functionally, if you're out there from a survival standpoint, you can't cheat that. If you're if you're on a, a battlefield that just as one simple example and you're going from straight down in the prone position, you've got to quickly get up, get over to your next place of cover and get there. Well, the, if you cheated those muscles that go straight from the ground up to that first part of the um, the movement where you're trying to spring up, Absolutely. then those muscles aren't going to be as developed because you cheated your training, you know?
2: so yeah. And that's where most people cheat. It's either on the bottom quarter of the, the movement or the top quarter of the movement. Yeah. You know, most people are comfortable in that middle 50, right? But they never straighten all the way or they don't touch the chest all the way. And uh, you're right. Range of motion is is critical. and and how you develop. Well,
0: I know for the bench press because I've, you know, I've done body bu- bodybuilding consulting in the past too, and 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 things like that. And wherever that sticking point is, like somebody might find that they can't get up to that f- that first quarter. You know, it might be that might be the sticking point. And sometimes just doing, you know, at least in the bench press, I, I'd like to get your feedback on this. But like with the bench press, if you were if you had a sticking point with the muscles that work that first quarter, like from your chest up, sometimes we would just do like six to nine inch, like mini bench presses in that area to focus in on our weak spot with that full range of motion. Do you ever do that at all? Like with, with pushups?
2: Uh, not not often. I typically go, you know, full range of motion. However, uh, we do play around with that. Um, sometimes, especially if I see a weakness in someone, uh-huh. I'll, I'll, I'll use that technique. Um, but you know, I, I will try to teach it as a full range of motion to start. But then, you know, then, yeah, then if I, if I start to see, hey, you're having a problem straightening your arms or you're having a problem going all the way down, uh, a lot of times that is just pure hand placement. Mm. Um, and you know, you get the right hand placement, then it's more comfortable to go all the way down. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: so, um, yeah, I think, you know, anything that you can pull from that can help you get to that full range of motion is going to be very helpful.
0: Yeah, cool. Okay, everyone. We've been talking with Stu Smith of StuSmithFitness.com about fast, simple ways for you to improve your tactical, functional fitness. And we have a lot more to get to, including why and how to develop your core strength without necessarily thousands of sit-ups, getting your chin over the bar again and again, and how to improve your ability to travel long distances or even hightail it to safety when all you have to get you there are your LPCs. And for those of you non military people, that's your leather personnel carriers. But first, check out this special message.
1: Imagine staring up at a six foot nine, 350 pound biker dude, rage in his eyes, ready to cram a beer bottle down your throat as payback for bumping into him. Would you know exactly what to do? Without cowering in fear, without begging for mercy, without getting stomped to the floor and beaten while your family watches in horror? You will now with this simple three-step plan. One, don't take your family to biker bars. That's really kind of stupid, isn't it? Two, harden your mind with bulletproof warrior confidence. And three, master your own secret bag of shockingly powerful fight tricks. Waiting for you and your free DVD, you can claim now at DefeatLargerAttackers.com. In a real fight, you don't have the option of losing. Not when your life or the safety of your family hiding behind you is on the line. You need to know exactly what to do in those first few seconds of an attack and end it quickly and walk away with your life, your loved ones, and your pride intact. In this free DVD, you'll discover the street fighting secrets for how to knock a bigger, stronger man head first into the pavement with brutal, unstoppable power and speed, regardless of your size, strength, or even if you've never been in a fight before in your life. Claim your free DVD now while this offer is still available at www.defeatlargerattackers.com and unleash your true potential to kick ass. And now, back to the show.
0: Okay, we're back with Stu Smith of fitness.com talking about fast and easy ways to improve your tactical fitness, and we have a lot more to get to. So let's go ahead and jump back in the interview now. Okay, Stu, so what about, what about sit-ups? What kind of benefits do sit-ups provide for someone from a functional, tactical standpoint, and what are the best ways to improve your midsection work to be better prepared for these types of activities?
2: Well, there's a lot out there about not doing sit-ups. I don't know if you've, you've read some of the studies that are out there, but kind of goes you know, in and out. This, is, this always seems it, to
0: be like a, a like a, a like a confrontational point in the fitness industry, right?
2: It's such a mess. I mean, because one <laughs> study disproves some other study. Yeah, and it, you know it's rather frustrating if you if you try to you know try to link this into science at all. It, it's rather frustrating. But you know, I, I found it this way. I, I find that people who hurt themselves doing sit ups, one, they don't practice any type of core strengthening activity at all they may sit in the desk all day and then once every six months you know they have to go take a fitness test and then they try sit-ups and they blame sit-ups for their back injury well their back injury is really caused by inactivity and you know if you have a good strong back you do a lot of plank poses you know you can carry weight in a backpack um, and of course, you practice crunches and sit-ups. You know, you will not injure your back doing crunches or sit-ups. Like I said, it's the deconditioned that hurt themselves, mm-hmm. typically. Yeah.
0: So what? So if I'm trying to increase my sit-up score and I want to do it without injuring myself, what are some? What are some maybe some training <laughs> tips that you have found work really well with with making sure like working on that core? the right way and and being able to improve in sit ups.
2: Right. You know, I take uh any time I do any type of abdominal exercise, I try to balance it out with a back exercise, whether it is a second of plank for every sit up that I do or it's a uh you know something you know with weights, you know deadlift or um you Superman. know playing up reverse reverse flies, you know, you know anything that just works the back a little bit, mm-hmm. right? So and so to always think of it as a balance. It's kind of like, you know, in bodybuilding, you know, you don't want to work your bicep and not work your tricep. Right. right, you right. Know, th- think of it that way. But some of the, the errors I've seen with sit-ups is people start off way too fast, especially for a two-minute test. Um, and they may get 30 or 35 in the first 30 seconds, but then they can't match that in the next minute and a half. So that's a clear sign that they just started too fast. Hmm. And just by simply saying, "Hey, slow down the first thirty seconds and only get 20, I've seen people be able to maintain that pace, you know, and get eighty the next day when they couldn't even get sixty the day before. Hmm. And and th- that's huge. I mean, that's it's kind of like sprinting your first quarter mile of a you know two mile run. You know, it's just not something that you want to do. You know, otherwise, you're just going to go downhill real quick. Um, so pace is critical and, you know, doing, doing sets of your goal pace for a two minute test is a great way to kind of muscle memory, that movement and speed. So if you want, you know, like I said, if you want 80 in a two minute test, you're going to want to try every 30 seconds, try to get 20 sit-ups and, you know, exert on the up. So you always just come up and then you just relax to go down. A lot of people will also you know waste a lot of energy coming down too slow, right so it's like a it's like you know staying isometrically flexed the whole time you're doing sit ups and then you're burnt out by forty or fifty
0: yeah that's a that's a really good tip, and I like the um the thought of you know working the back also and combining those because it all of that helps to kind of cinch in your waist work on that core. And the stronger your core is, the stronger your sit-ups are going to be as well. So, that I mean, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, pull-ups are probably the the absolute hardest bodyweight exercise there is out there. And that's probably the reason why a lot of people just shy away from them because they're so damn hard. So, what purpose would working on your pull-up improvement have for someone from a tactical functionality view? And what are the best ways to improve this area. A lot of people can't even do one. You know, it's really difficult. So why should why should pull ups even be a part of our regimen? And then what's the best way to work on this?
2: Well I like I like pull ups um mainly as a as a good balance for all the push ups that you do. You know, and if you think about it, it's it's a different plane but it's a it's an opposing muscle group that you're mainly using. You know, you can do all the push ups you want and still have energy for pull ups, you know, because it's you're not pushing you're pulling yourself. And I consider two exercises in the calisthenic world kind of like the heavyweight training of calisthenics and that's pull-ups and dips. Cuz if you look at what you're doing in those exercises, if parallel bar dips, you are you're, you're pulling and pushing 100% of your body weight, right? Which yeah. is very challenging. The heavier you are, the challenging, the more challenging that is. And if you can You know, build up. You know, logically, um, and logically meaning basically, you have to start off somewhere, and a lot of times people who are a little bit heavier have to lose weight first to be able to do any pull-ups. But once they lose a little bit of weight, you'll find that the growth curve is really quick. um, You know, because they're, they're used to trying to pull their body weight at 220, but if they drop down 10 or 15 pounds you know, at 205, you know, them pulling that body weight over the pull-up bar is a lot easier. So I could have combine pull-ups when I'm helping people get with pull-ups. Mm-hmm. Combine that also with a, you know, consider weight loss if you have it to lose. Um, yeah. but, but the biggest thing is work your pulling muscles. Mm-hmm. And you can do that a variety of ways in the weight room, whether that's with rows or it's <clears throat> with bicep curls or it's pull-downs. But I what I have found is A lot of people tend to do that to try to get better at pull-ups. But if you just practice getting your body weight on that bar, your body will grow a lot faster to being able to do pull-ups, whether you're doing negatives or you're doing jumping pull-ups. You know, something that's going to get you very used to doing the pull over that bar is really what you need to start focusing on versus pull-down. I think, you know, you can go 50% fifty percent of your body weight and do ten pull downs real easy. And yeah, that's great, but it's it's not gonna get you to a pull up. Yeah,
0: you know, that's really interesting. I've always noticed that also, like somebody might be even able to do their body weight with pull downs, you know, for, for even several repetitions, but when you get on the pull up bar, it it's like it, there's not a like like a one to one correlation between pull downs and the pull up. And some people can't do one pull up but they can do their body weight with pull downs.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um yeah. it, it's it, yeah, exactly it, it doesn't really correlate very well.
0: I guess you can cheat with pull downs, you can cheat the rest of your body to to pick a position that isn't necessarily functional, you know? I mean, like you can kind of your your legs are locked underneath the the uh the leg pads and you can pull your, your upper body back, or you can get momentum coming down and stuff like that. Whereas when you're pulling up, you're (laughs) basically your body is dictating which, which path you're going to take and, and which muscles you're going to use. And if you're not used to using those, you know, it's not the same thing.
2: Oh, absolutely. And, and there's always these progressions that, that you have to go through. I mean, I, I would start off with that kind of weighted progression and then, you know, kind of build up into pull up progressions with your body weight. Um, whether that's pyramids or, you know, trying to do a superset, you know, something like that. But then, you know, eventually, if you're in the military or potential survival situation where you're carrying a backpack, Mm -hmm. you know, so you got added weight now. So, you know, climbing a wall, climbing a fence, you know, getting over those types of obstacles, that is where the pull up is by far the most important calisthenic that I think we can do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, those are, that's a really good point. You know, get, being able to breach obstacles, get over a wall, even climbing out of like a, you know, your, your home that's been destroyed or something like that. You might have to, and yeah. it, it is very, very, you know. what about negatives? Do you, I mean, cause, you know, it, that might be one way. Do you ever do where somebody goes up to the top level? Cause they can't, maybe they can't pull themselves up, but it's a little bit easier to fight your way down and work those back muscles with negatives.
2: Oh, absolutely that negatives are a great tool for you know building that first pull up yeah and even pushing you know your limit like if you're at 15 pull ups and you're trying to get 20 um which you know is max in the marine corps and it's you know very respectable and you know other you know spec ops units to get 20 plus you know that's that's a good way to push that failing you know that last repetition you know to try to do a negative with it and you don't want to do that all the time uh but you know, getting a few sets of negatives in there is, is always a great idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, finally we come to cardio fitness and specifically I want to address running and even, even the road marches. Cause I know, you know, we, like I said, we have a lot of people in the military, but also from a survival standpoint, we, in the military, we always had to do road marches being in the infantry. It was like, that was like a weekly thing. We always had to do road marches because we didn't always have helicopters and humvees and things like that to carry us around a lot most of the time in light infantry we were we were basically it was just our our leather personnel carriers and the same thing from a you know from a survival standpoint, somebody might need to be able to bug out to a certain area and and their primary transportation might not be available. Maybe all the roads are locked up, maybe there's no fuel, maybe there's no electricity and in order for you to get to safety, it might just be you and your bug out bag backpack. Um, But even from like a a, like a firearm standpoint for those people that aren't even in the survival, just being able to hightail it out of an area or escape, you know, um, a crime or be able to run to help. If you have a, a family member that is injured and can't move and you need to go, you know, get up to a roadway or something like that to flag down help. You know, you don't want to be huffing and puffing and wheezing alongside the road. So what are some specific training tricks that you've come across that help people get the most out of you know, running and long distance walking and things like that without without having to become some marathon runner?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well one thing I am not is a marathon runner. <laughs> but I do run and I I run and I ruck. And I I just like it. I mean I, I think I think one, you you don't necessarily have to love it. And I don't love it, but I like to do it and it, it's, it works very well for me. Um, but I'm, I'm not super fast anymore. I'm 47 now, uh, you know, but I still train and I think the, the, the key to my longevity, uh, in the running game, because I, you know, you can get injured running. Um, like repetitive injury. Yeah.
1: yeah like you like know, repetitive,
2: you know, knees, hips, lower back, you know, all those, you know, feet, shins. I mean, all those things can get, get injured if you do it too much and you do it too long. And so logical progressions is, first of all, instrumental to your survivability if you're trying to start a running program. Mm. Um, and what I tend to do is I I have this running program that I call it the solstice running program. So if the days are longer, my running's longer, right? So like as we get into the spring and summer you know the days are getting longer and I'm I'm starting to progress into running further now so by the by mid summer I'm probably at the 30 mile a week mark which is still pretty high um it's not like i said it's not world class high some some of those guys get 80, you know in a, in a week if you're a pure runner but you know if you still like the lift you know 25 to 30 is is a respectable Amount of running and and if you do that much, you know you're pretty good at running. Um, but you know by the fall and winter, I taper off and get more into a lifting cycle, again and a lot less running. And I do more non-impact stuff in the sun, in the winters. I swim into the pool, you know, do elliptical, do bikes. Um, and I found that cycling through that, I still do a year round of cardio, but I don't run necessarily year round. And that has been that has made all the difference in the world since turning 30. And you know, when I was in my 20s, it didn't matter. You know, I could just run all year and, and be tough. But by 30, I started breaking. And, um, you know, I had to figure out a smart, progressive way to still stay good at running without necessarily being that impactful on my body. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I know I've had different injuries, especially being in late infantry. You know, a lot of times. You know it, the field just takes takes a wallop at your body, and you know something I found really interesting was I I wasn't able to do running, I wasn't able to do calisthenics because I had a, an injury that was keeping me from it. But what I was doing at the time was um was I was doing yoga, but I was doing yogic breath work. So there was lots of um it's it's called a breath of fire, right? Like where you oh, yeah. kind to of do this rapid increase and 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 decrease, and you're working your core at the same time. And I was just kind of getting into yoga at that time. It was just kind of an interest of mine. And what I realized was that, um, unfortunate, unfortunately, right after I got off of my, um, um, my, my injury, like leave from, from PT, I had a, I had a PT test that was due. And I thought I was just going to totally screw this up because I hadn't been running or anything for about two months. And I actually had one of my best running times I've ever had and i and i felt like i had all of this energy like i like i was totally oxygenated and i i nice. I, I didn't get out of breath and and what's interesting and i and i always found that to be kind of a mystery and now lately what i've been seeing is um they have these devices that you they're like like you breathe hard into and i don't know what they're called you probably know more about the do. yeah than i've
2: it. seen them Little, little uh face mask like things that you 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 breathe breathe into them. yeah i've i've seen them
0: yeah, they have like high altitude. I've seen high altitude masks, and then I've also seen this like device you just put in your mouth and you just breathe out really hard. And I guess I don't know if it works your lungs or something like that. Like it, it's almost like artificially running. Like you can sit there in your underwear watching The Simpsons and breathe into this thing, like you're getting a like you're getting a five mile run out of it. But um there is something I guess to be said about just like it. It's working your lungs, and it's not working your legs, obviously. But yeah. cardio wise maybe there's some value to it
2: yeah maybe I'm i'm not too big into that gadget however i will say this breathing is the key to running right mm-hmm. and you, you got to get into a rhythm of breathing whether that's usually what i do is i'll take two or three steps while i inhale and then i'll take two or three steps while i exhale and i just yep. get into that rhythm of you know and that helps regulate your heart rate a lot, you know, so you're not, you know, you're not dipping into that anaerobic zone and, you know, you know, getting way too up there. And you can kind of remain at a, at a normal heart rate while you're still running fairly fast yeah. and, you know, save a lot of your energy, you know, for what you have to do when you get there. And, you know, so breathing, absolutely. The, it, you know, I, I say this, you know, whatever's working for you in breathing, Yeah. do it whether that's you know one of those uh masks that you put on or it's yoga or you know just get out there and start huffing and puffing i I found where breathing is really helpful for me is swimming you know obviously you have to breathe while you swim but you know you have to be in a rhythm when you're swimming and that's either like every two or three strokes you have to turn your head to breathe and you know sometimes you can go a little bit more if you want to push it but um taking that and applying it to swim or to running um made all the difference in you know me turning a powerlifting football body into a uh longer distance running body before I went into SEAL training
0: yeah yeah that, and that was that was my big secret too was that same two that two step breathing movement and I would go in through my nose on two steps and out through my mouth on two steps two steps and then I could always get my rhythm down for that, and then once I once my body got used to like that rhythm, you can increase your pace and yep. keep your breathing in pace with your feet, and it basically you know coordinates your breathing, your heart rate, and everything to be able to push yourself a little bit a little bit further. That's always worked out really well. And yep. you're right, I'm not I'm not a big runner myself. I'm, it's nothing that I never really enjoyed until I really started listening to audiobooks um when i was mm-hmm. out there and so now it's like i look forward to running simply because that's my best my best audiobook listening time because um and i always listen to to like you know business books i'm always looking to like increase my my business or put out new, new content or learn new things that we can apply to our our company and i always find that when i'm running there's so much oxygen going through my brain and my blood's going everything that man that is like the the most crystal clear like I get a flood of ideas i have I have to carry same a here. notebook with me when i'm when I'm out running because Thank you. I do the
2: exact same thing yeah, yep. yeah,
0: so I mean for anybody that's been kind of had kind of an aversion to running if you're in any sort of you know career or business or anything like that, um you might want to think about doing that, like getting some some sort of audiobook that fits a, an interest of yours or um something, <laughs> and then putting that in if it's or if it's survival books that we've got like on audio or or stew stuff or whatever it is um look at those as potential like you know kind of study time it's it works out really well well Stu, this is awesome man i mean i know you, this is going to help a lot of people i mean i've learned a lot actually from um, with hand placement and push-ups and everything i'm just um there's some things i can apply to my own fitness program i really appreciate you taking the time for us today um Listen, everybody, um, Stu works with people through his website. I mean, it doesn't matter where you live. um, He can actually design programs for you. He's got a number of books that have been published through, you know, Men's Health and and different publishers. He has an amazing amount of, like, videos and stuff on his website. Um, There's one really good one on there on combat swimming because I'm a horrible swimmer. And that's something that I would like to personally develop, and I found that, that video to be very interesting. But, but go over to his website and check out all the, tra- all the training that he's got there, his books and everything else. There's, there's just a whole bunch of stuff. So it's at www.stu.smithfitness.com. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. <laughs>